Welcome, everybody, to an episode of the Keepers of the Book. I'm your host, Maz, joined here with my co-host, Mathaher, and oh my God, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is time. We are here. Mistborn Book 3, Hero of Ages, we're finishing it today. We started this podcast with Mistborn, and after nine months, the baby of Mistborn is finally... I, I don't know if delivered is the right word. A, yeah, no, I don't know what grown up. But finished. Boy. The baby is finished. The baby of Mistborn is finished, and we're sticking with that one. And oh my God, what a beautiful baby this one is. Let's get started right away, boys and girls. <sighs> what a what a what a beautiful book. I yeah, say. yeah. I say. God, dude, it. It makes me feel so nostalgic just thinking about the ending of it. That ending hit me just as hard as it hit me the first time, possibly harder the second time. It... You know, I'm gonna say it. So, I whenever I think back about like Harry Potter and stuff, I feel like sort of a sense of longing. I'm sure everybody knows that feeling about like thinking back to like their favorite book or whatever. I felt it more. At the end of this book, whenever they saw the the Vin's body and Ellen's body, and like, and I was like happy with about my boy Cezad. That same side, same time, sad about like everything else and everybody else that died along the way. Yeah, I mean, but we're gonna get to it. Don't jump your gun there with that head. Chapter seventy one. We got a lot of a lot of. Hero of Ages to get through, and oh boy, is it a lot of good beauty. So anyways, chapter 71, epigraph. Preservation could not talk to humanity directly after he had his power diminished so heavily over time, so he had left clues, such as the 16% behind um, for mankind to kind of, you know, decipher. Yeah. He should just, at that point, he should just, like, scribbled 16 everywhere. But I guess Verum would have just erased it. You know, what if, okay, this brings up the, uh, like, a prediction I have. So, you know how, like, we don't know the other two metals? What if, right. uh, not in the Bands of Mourning series or the Alloy of Law series, but the one after that where we're, like, in the modern era, what if we actually, like, make metals and stuff? Like we, uh, we like, sort of like, uh, what was what that thing called? It was a periodic table you can like combine electrons or whatever. I don't know. I cheated in chemistry, all those stuff, and you can make metals that Alamatches can use. I don't. I don't get your question. I think there's a lot of possibilities. I think there can be a lot more than sixteen metals. You feel me? I I don't I don't know I don't think so I I'm sticking with sixteen. I think at that point it beca- it makes the uh, uh, a very carefully crafted world that we have or the magic system that we have. I think making more than sixteen uh, breaks that. True. So because and and not necessarily break it like yeah I'm sure he could have stopped at hell ten even you know but. Um, I think the reason if you start adding more and more, you got first of all, you got to make the powers unique, right? Then eventually the powers are going to start stacking and stacking, and then it becomes to the point where, like, eh, he's a little too powerful. So, 
I personally think it would be 16 or stop at 16. But anyways, chapter 71 says this, talking to the first uh, generation about the prophecy of pure ages, just learning about the terrorist religion overall. Um, but I did think there was something very interesting here when he's asked about the well of ascension. Uh, they, they said that by the time we lived as men, our gods had already passed. Now, this is a little... I feel like this is also telling a little bit about the the history of the Cosmere overall. Our gods had already passed. I'm guessing that, because later when Seizad, okay, you know, by the way, basically everything through books one through three is now open for spoilers because in this episode we're covering the rest remaining part of Here of Ages. So, you know. Essentially, everything. I don't know is if it's a good idea to listen to a podcast about book three. Yeah, knowing right. what happened. The last episode of book two. three, and then not having it. Yeah. So, <laughs> for those of you who are here, you are here because you've, at this point, either don't care about spoilers or you've read it along. So, anyways, when Seizad becomes a hero of ages, he talked about right that you know he he's going to continue protecting the world because the existing gods that were protecting the world are no longer here. So this kind of matches up with what the first generation was telling say is that there um and they believe ruin and preservation to be dead and i thought that they were believing it to be dead but um i think that they're talking about the body of ruin and preservation um so which is very confusing to me yeah uh I think I think what they're saying is that um, the bodies that ruin and preservation in their era that ruin and preservation had chosen to you know continue their power or whatever they had ascended, kind of like how Seizet at this point ascends or how Vin ascended into godhood. I think because remember her body kind of like disappears, right? So I think that's what they're saying. Anyways. Um, so Seizad starts seeing a lot of comparison between his own religion and others. Uh, and then they also kind of give him a little bit of like advice, right? Because they start telling him, it's like, it feels like you're searching for something that's possible, which is religion without faith. And not to get like super, you know, preachy here, but that kind of makes sense on a religious level, even like real life religions. Um, some people want all the answers, like all the details answer to everything kind of people, right? And there are some that are just content with some answers and oh, completely content with not having any answers for certain questions. Um, so here they're kind of just saying, it's like, you know, you want a religion that has no faith at all, that just has all the answers given to you. Um, mm -hmm. and, um, and I was like, yeah, that's kind of fair. Um, Bad accurate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, anyways, they have Ruin's body, and it's freaking Atium. Atium is Ruin's body. That's what yeah. he was searching for the whole time. And that makes so much sense, right? Because, you know, why was he searching so hard for Atium? Why was, sorry, why was a Vin searching so hard for Atium? When both Yeoman and Ellen were smart enough to know, it's like, hey, you know, Atium does us no good. Even Ellen didn't really care too much for the Atium cache. He was more searching for the caches as finding a clue on how to beat Ruin. And I don't know if the way he worded it or what, but I always thought that Adium was, like, not right. There was, like, something, like, up about it. What do you mean? 
I don't know. Uh, I always thought because adium is basically like an evil metal. Now that we know that it's ruined, like ruins body, and it makes well, sense even that I don't know about. Right, like what makes it evil? Right, like there's nothing how, in how good it is at letting you kill people. Oh. Okay, yeah, that actually. Okay, I see. I see that argument for sure. Um, because uh, you know it makes some. Sorry. Uh, maybe it's because of the method that you mine it. Maybe that's why I always thought it was evil. Because you like. Yeah, I mean, for, to be fair, it it does have like a lot of evil around it, right? Like, it burns up so quickly, so people who are much more greedy for it, it is. Um, you know, its sole purpose is just make you a more efficient killing machine. There's not much of a use for it outside of fighting, right? With steel pushes, steel push, steel pull, strength, tin eye, all those, other than maybe like copper. Copper is for hiding, but if you're hiding, you're most likely a thief or a spy or some sort. But like, I'm saying, you know, outside military uses, there's not much of a use for ATM, to my understanding. Well, you're right? Like, thieves. yeah, and maybe you could say, um, you know, it might be good for sports or competition. And yeah, that's true. You know, if I was a boxer and I had ATM, I'd be freaking Floyd Mayweather. But um, <laughs> again, even that's fighting, right? So, but yeah. Anyways, um, Tensoon's on his way to Fadrix and. The Tyrian ash mountain erupts and there's like lava everywhere. So like this is Tyrion. the beginning of right. the end. <laughs> um, what are you talking about? Um, <laughs> that's not a book we've covered in this podcast. Uh, so chapter 72 epigraph. Um, it was hard for Ruin to get Duralman enhanced inquisitors since finding Duralman and Mistings was next to <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was hilarious, right? Like, there's that meme on Reddit where um, it's like, this is worthless. And it's like just a pick, and it's, you know, Duralman and Aluminum Mistings. Like, if Aluminum legit does nothing, even to a Mistborn. Like, in fact, Aluminum is really bad for uh, a Mistborn. Um, but yeah, it, it's so funny, man. Uh, <laughs> this one cracked me up more than anything. <laughs> Like Ruin trying to find a Duralman misting, and he's just like, I can't, I can't tell what you are. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Vin reaches Luthado, and she starts uh, baiting Ruin, and then she just starts fighting a bunch of Inquisitors. And I would be mad at this if it wasn't so epic. <laughs> Remember, like it was like it's kind of feels like an anime where the main character kind of just escalates in power, and what was once so feared kind of becomes inconsequential. I guess would be the right word, right? Uh, because the remember the Inquisitors back then were just so terrifying that when Kelsier killed the one Inquisitor, it was such a big deal. I didn't like that she she was able to kill 13. Well, she, I think she only ended up killing 13 after, like, she actually gets, like, the power of the mists to my Oh, actually. yeah, that's true, yeah. Actually, yes, yeah. Okay, I'm seeing that now, and yeah. So, no. So she starts to fight a bunch of Inquisitors, and she's running out of metal when Marsh starts to beat on her. And... 
And at this moment, this is, you remember, we, I feel like it was kind of obvious leading up to this point that Marsh was his, the real Marsh, the inside, he was going to eventually wait for a moment before jumping out and then taking control back from Ruin. And, you know, at the critical moment, and this was a critical moment, he reached down and he took out Vin's earrings, um, which, you know, kept her kind of tied to Ruin, I guess. And so she is now open to be to the mists, and the mists jump in to help her. Yeah, they like they remind me of uh, honestly Harry Potter with like the the mentors, but like the opposite. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's funny you say that because I legit thought the Inquisitors on the cover of the U.S. cover of Here of Ages kind of reminded me of Dementors. Um, really? Yep. Yeah. Like, they, they gave me the Dementors vibes, you know? Oh, like, yeah. But, yeah. So, anyways. um, Yep. The, that, that was cool. Um, if for any of those who, at this point, were kind of struggling behind, this is just, I guess, final seal confirmation. And this is more of a confirmation of Vin at this point than it is the audience, that the earrings in her... And Vin was a um, was because it was like helping ruin influencer, and because like she was touching ruin essentially through the through the earrings, the mist couldn't help her. And if you look back to when she was fighting the Lord Ruler, she didn't have her earrings on, so that's why the mists were able to help her then. Yeah. And then if you look to when she was fighting Zane, the mists didn't help her, and that's because she had her earrings on. Yeah, so we were <laughs> our jokes about like, you know, you ha- your heart rate has to be below five five beats per minute for me to help you was yep. wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's just you had to have two fewer earrings, not not heart rate earring count. Uh, <laughs> earring count has to be piercing count has to be zero. Um, <laughs> yeah, it looks like uh, preservation is a middle-aged white mom uh, who just does not like tattoos and piercings does not want her daughter to be a delinquent so chapter 73 epigraph vin's sister was a seeker that's why vin could pierce copper clouds i know um this was like a point of contention for myself and you as well that like you know i said that she can pierce copper clouds like like, I get that she's being hinted as a chosen one, but, like, you know, you have this such a cool crafted magic system. How are you breaking your own laws for one <laughs> character? And Sanderson's like, come on, dude, you know I'm better than that. And it's explained so beautifully, right? Like, Vin's sister was a seeker. She died, presumably had the earrings, and now Vin has those earrings, and that helps her pierce copper clouds. God, so, so beautiful, man. I... It's just so well crafted, you know. It it just feels clean, very clean. I love it. This is like really good for like his second book, man. Yeah, and that's what Mistborn is what propelled him. Mistborn is what pushed him into. Oh, it fame, wasn't the uh, Wheel of Time. Um, he had well, Wheel of Time really pushed him. Um, but I think if he hadn't written Mistborn, he would never have even been considered by Harriet Jordan. Oh. Or is it Harriet Rigney? I don't know. Robert Jordan was wasn't his real name. Um, oh, was it? 
No, I think his real name is like James Oliver Rigby or Rigney, something like that. Why do you choose but, a pen name of Robert? Um, James Oliver Rigney, I think, just doesn't flow as easily. Oh. I think Robert Jordan sounds a lot more like easily published, I guess. Yeah. It's it's pretty weird how publishers do that. I yeah. Think. Like um, I mean they know what sells, you know, so Yeah. And like JK Rowling didn't want her to people they didn't want people to know that she was a woman. Mm-hmm. So Yep, that's to my understanding as well. Yeah. But times are starting to change now. I mean you have straight up like uh I think uh like it's not completely gone now, but I I don't know how much of this is just publishers have still going off the old way. Uh but you 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 know, you have like NK Jemison who is um also a female author and you know, she's known as MK NK or MK Jemison and ML Kwong. So you have some of these who just for whatever reason I guess they never let go. And I again I don't know if it's like they still need to hide the fact that they're women or if it's just publishers still going off old times uh because i i don't see the publishing companies evolving that much over time but that's business talk and we're not in the business talk business we're on the fantasy talk business Business. (laughs) chapter 73 um Tensoon notices the mist flowing in one direction and oh my god i would love to see see an animated show of Mistform mm. or a movie or a TV show. Stop I just want to see this moment right here when all the mist are flowing in one direction. Stop it. Yeah. <sighs> Studio Ghibli, get on it. Um, so Breeze and Alrion are also watching the mist go to Luthadel. I don't understand what the point of, of point of it was to show us Tensoon was watching the mists. When you just jump to Breeze and Alrion having the mists go to Vin. I feel like it kind of seemed contradictory, like not contradictory, but like unnecessary. But regardless, Breeze and Elrion also see the mists. And Spook jumps in. Okay, we got to discuss Spook. Because here he jumps in and he starts yelling at everyone that they need to, um, ev- I guess, evacuate down to the caverns. Um, Even after he pulled the 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 metal spikes out of or metal spike singular out of himself he still i don't know how to put this he still hears kelsier's voice right we we talked about that last time i believe right yeah so dude there's something with kelsier man he yeah there there has to be and i'm I'm very curious it's probably in secret history yeah, it has to be. I don't know, because later we find out, right, that Seizet is able to talk to Ellen, Vin, and Kelsier. We'll get to that discussion later, but there's something there because he hears Kelsier's voice in him, and I am I can almost guarantee you that he heard Kelsier's voice here in, and pushing him, pushing Seizet, or sorry, uh, Spook, to pull back into uh, the caverns. Uh, so I don't know. Um, might need to do more research on that. Um, I'm gonna ask around. Maybe there's something we missed, but I don't. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. But there's something there. I, I have a feeling that there's something there. Spook. Um, my boy, Spook. My precious flower, Spook. 
I love this guy. Uh, so anyways, uh, another POV jump. And Ellen and Ham are continuing finding the Coloss. And then Mist start pulling back. And then the Coloss start pulling back. Presumably the Coloss are rushing towards Luthadel as well. And then Vin, with the power of Mists, is just murking the Inquisitor, the Inquisitors, man. We call this the Vinquisition. They, <laughs> no one expects a Vinquisition. And oh my god, dude, like she's just like I think she killed she's getting like triple kills at one point, right? <laughs> and I guess these bullet sponges, literal bullet sponges, and she's getting triple kills against him. Like, I mean, I guess it's fair, right? Like she's pulling the powers of the god in, of a god into her. Um which is really cool because if you actually think about it. Uh, she's getting more and more powerful because not all the mists are to her at this point, right? They're yeah. pulling in. So she's getting stronger and stronger as things go on. And as we'll see later, she like ascends into godhood at the end. But anyways, she is just... The Inquisition is unstoppable. She even flattens Critic Shaw in the process. I mean, she's a nuclear bomb, ladies and gentlemen, all right? Like, if you thought she was OP just by piercing <laughs> copper clouds before... She Nonsense. is. <laughs> I mean, now she's like Naruto Nine Tail Beast, like level. Uh, maybe, maybe not as crazy because Naruto double Rasen Shuriken. Yeah, oh my God, Naruto is just a little over the top. Um. So, anyway, she kills all the Inquisitors, and all the at this point, all the mists are completely into Vin. And then she feels a massive surge of power, and she pulled. And at this point, she's pulled out one of the spikes out of Marsha's eyes, which. I cannot believe how painful that would be because at this point, right, he he's kind of run out of metals to heal himself with, so he's actually feeling all of this. And before she can pull out the other one, she disappears. Um, I think it's kind of obvious that she's kind of just this is her ascension into godhood, right? So, wait, yeah. Liz? I'm just kidding. <laughs> God. Um, you probably believed me too. <laughs> yeah, I did because you're kind of an idiot. Um, chapter 74. The smartest FDR. idiot out there. Yeah, I don't know if you're the smartest idiot out there or the dumbest smart guy out there. Um, in chapter 74, Ruin picked Vin simply because she fit everything that he needed. I don't know if she discussed, like, you know, what is it that makes her so special, but it's kind of like, she was one of those unicorns, right? Where it's just like she fit all the very specific criteria. And it sounds like one of those things that like, oh, well, that's convenient. It's like, yeah, it is convenient. It's one of those like big bang things kind of thing, right? Like it's just, or not, not I guess not a big bang, but like Earth of all the, I don't even know, billions of star systems out there, Earth is the one planet we've found so far that can support life. I get, could you say that that's convenient? Yeah, it's pretty freaking convenient. And yeah, it's convenient here too, right? Um, that they found the one who had a seeker for her sister. So that would give her the hemolurgy spike necessary to pierce copper clouds, which that was important, by the way, so that she could hear the thumping in the well of ascension. Mm -hmm. So that was very important. And you guys could. Trace Mac, I have it. I, I might still have it tagged from Final Empire when she was. Uh, Telling Kels here that she can pierce copper clouds. Oh, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, she said that she heard a thumping. So that was a well of ascension. And um, Ruin needed her to be able to pick up on that. 
And then on top of that, she had an insane mother, which would be the transportation system between. <laughs> this is so messed up, me saying this. Okay, <laughs> how did she know? How did the mother know how to do hemallergy? I don't think she did. I think she, she's just insane. Remember, she. she, she now, hemorrhage. having said that, you got to also remember it's possible that the mother herself also had some uh, metal spike in her via possibly some form of piercing or something like that, right? True, yeah. So if that happened and she's already insane to begin with, remember what the epigraph said, people who are insane are more easier to control. Maybe like sane uh, ones. command an inquisitor to spike her. Um yeah, possibly. And this would also explain I guess I don't know. I don't know about that. But anyways, um insane mother and then she herself was a misborn. So it was like one of those like perfect packages. And then here's the thing though. The epigraph also goes on to say that there were other reasons. I put this with a wide-eyed emoji in my notes, and I said Cosmere question mark. Yeah, I thought it was Cosmere too. This this screams Cosmere to me, and I, I'll be honest, um, I didn't pick up on it the first time. I didn't, I don't know why because it felt kind of blatant, right? Uh, I'll read it word for word here. There were other reasons, of course, but even Ruin didn't know them. So. Again, they're, they're Cosmere-level reasons at this point. And I'm very curious to see if we see her in Dragonsteel if that, when that starts getting written. You know, I'll be honest, I'm kind of more excited to see Dragonsteel written than I am Stormlight Archive finish. I'm not, because I know that Stormlight is good. Yeah, but I know Dragonsteel, to my understanding, takes place like way in the history. And I'll be honest, I am a... Oh, history? Yeah, to my, I think I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I thought it was like a crossover. You're saying like another thing, like a like a crossover between all the all the Cosmere stuff. Oh, it might be. It could be. To my okay, so I'm reading in the cover mine right now. It refers to the seven book unpublished series set on Yolen. I don't know what that is. Uh, the five-book main story arc of that series are Dragonsteel Prime, which was written as part of Sanderson's master's thesis. Dragonsteel has been called a prequel to the Cosmere. Oh. Yeah. Then when are we going to get the Avengers Assemble? I think that'll probably be the end of uh, uh, Stormlight. I think Stormlight is his main, like, you know, main branch, if you're like a programmer, a Git production main branch right stormlight is his main branch dragon steel is more like alpha branch right this happened before and early and all that stuff but stormlight will be his main and that or, or it'll be mistborn era maybe maybe stormlight uh leads into mistborn era three or four or whatever that'd be sick that would be sick yeah I'm curious how he's going to do the whole time difference, right? Because time travels differently in certain yeah. planets over others. He may just do a cop out and just say they well, don't. Well, because Hoyd uh, doesn't like. Well, age. he's a god, possibly, most likely. I don't think so. Time doesn't really affect him. Yeah, true. So, anyways, this this epigraph right here was. For me, was really telling this time around the whole Cosmere. I love the Cosmere stuff. Like when he talked about an Ad- Adonalsium earlier, I was like, uh, 
Sorry? What's that? Uh, I think that's an, uh, that has to be some sort of god in the Cosmere. That's the only thing you can think of. But anyways, um, Ellen's recovering from the battle, and then he tells Yeoman to recover the wounded and be ready for something. Just, just be ready for something. Um, uh, and I, I guess that kind of sucks, right? It's like, what do you, you know, those disaster videos or disaster teachings that they teach you in school, where it's like, if it's a tornado, you get low. If it's a hurricane or a flood, you go high. If it's an <laughs> earthquake, you go outside. So it's one of those things. Is like, I mean, depending on what happens to us. <laughs> telling us to be ready for something we're not going to be ready when the disaster actually hits right so if we're if we take shelter in a cave and then the flood happens we're screwed <laughs> so but yeah i mean i'm not blaming ellen but i just thought that was kind of funny um yeomans for some reason still believes that the lord rule in the lord rules religion which it's like dude come on uh, but he can see that Ellen's a good guy, so progress. And Yeoman confesses that he's an ATM misting, which is called a seer. Um, and then Ellen starts going to Luthido. I love so this is it comes up a little bit later in the book, but it's not really relevant to the chapter itself. But I love the way that Sanderson described Vin watching Ellen speed towards uh, Luthido. You know, using the whole the horseshoe. the metal hoof yeah horseshoe trick he she's because remember she's a god right so she sees metal as these like light and it's, it's for her whenever she was watching ellen speed towards lucido she was seeing ellen ride spears of light again i want to see this animated because the way i look at it when she's in god form i don't know why i don't know why but for me when i uh, through the eyes of Godform, for whatever reason, I see the world as black and white. Maybe it's because preservation is like, you know, white, yin and yang kind of thing. So they see the world as black and white. Mm -hmm. But for a reason, through the eyes of Vin or, you know, preservation or ruin, whatever, through their eyes, I see the world as black and white, like color. Um, and just the idea of this black and white world and this guy riding on spears of light through the ashes, just that's epic. That's just so epic. I love that description. And it, there wasn't more description to it, right? It's not like he was describing the metal or describing how the spears looked. It just, that one line made, I don't know about you, but made me just like salivate at the mouth. I'm like, dude, that's, that's epic. Just a guy riding spears of light. Like, could you get more high fantasy than that? Riding on broomsticks. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it sounds so ridiculous when you just say it like that, and it was kind of ridiculous, but kind of cool, too. The Harry Potter Quidditch stuff. That was cool. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. Anyways, chapter 75. Um, in this epigraph, Vin was more compelled to wear the earrings because of Ruin. Um, because remember, like, she herself at one point said, like, she didn't understand why... Uh, she feels so compelled to wear the earrings because she shouldn't feel that compulsion at all right she was never close to her mother so yeah. and vin's not that emotional sentimental type he's like oh yeah but it's my mother she's very logical right like no she may be my mother but she never acted like a mother therefore i hate her therefore i'm not gonna this this earring means nothing to me <laughs> so if you looked at it her his character work kind of 
hinted at it, right? That if you if you look at the character work, that she's consistent, but why was she inconsistent on this one thing? So that was cool. So Seiza comes to the conclusion that he does believe in the terrorist religion, which is like, oh, thank God, 74 chapters later. Um, <laughs> Don't even get me started on that, dude. <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah, but it was worth it. It was worth it. We'll get to that in a second, but it was worth it. Um, (laughs) um, So he's told that the mists are completely gone, which that has to be kind of cool. You know, the entire world is like getting swallowed by mist and ash, and the mists all of a sudden are gone. Ash is still falling constantly, but mists are gone, so progress. Uh, And then the first generation things that it's the end of the times... And Con Par, the little weasel, doesn't agree. Um, so, so the resolution is so that's like their end times for them, right? It's called the resolution, and I think Tensun had talked about it earlier as well. Um, they had to remove spikes from themselves. They they have to come at seppuku, um, and. It, this would be a mass suicide, right? This was really cool. The Lord Ruler had come up with this. He had figured that at some point, if he wasn't around, then these conjurer would have to know and identify for themselves, okay, this is the time of resolution. We have to commit seppuku. Um, there is a line here that says the sliver remains the shadows of self, which I believe that's the second that's book like, of Era yeah, 2. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, Okay. There's not enough context around that to go off of to like that tells me literally anything like anything. I, you know what I mean? Like I was, uh-huh. yeah. I w- and I I read it over and over. Even when I first you know came across it, I was just like, I, I can't, I can't like I can't figure it out. Like where where is it? Um. And yeah, I, I'm still not able to figure it out. Um, I have a feeling, obviously, when we get to Shadows of Self, it might tell us a bit more. So, but they're not going to find out because Can Par stages a coup, the little weasel. Um, and he does not, out, okay, in his defense, I get it, right? He's scared and he does not want to see his entire people commit a mass seppuku. So I get it. Really have to be such a jerk about it. I mean, come on, man. Um, I can't help but hate the dude, you know. So he stages yeah, a coup. It's, it's so like contradictory because he was just condemning Tensoon for for breaking the law, and he's you know breaking the law. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's it's so dumb. Um, and yeah, chapter seventy six. The Mistborn and Ten Eyes. Sorry, this is the epigraph for chapter seventy six. Mistborn. This was really cool, by the way. Um, I and I I had picked up on it when I was reading, but I just kind of shrugged it off because it felt kind of um that I was nitpicking. This one talks about the Mistborn and Ten Eyes can pierce mists, and that should have been a big tell to everyone that, you know, there's something up with the mists and Elemancy because, oh, they must be connected in some way because they're, logically speaking, they should not be able to pierce a mist. And 
this is what I was talking about, right? Where I was just like, wait a second. When I, I was reading, I'm talking back when I read Final Empire the first time, I was like, wait a second. How, when they use tin that improves their eyesight, how can they see through the mists, right? Like, if I turn on my high beam when I'm driving a car, it makes the mists worse, actually. Um, it so, it, yeah, oh, yeah, trust me. If you have heavy fog, heavy mist, do not turn on your high beam. You're going to get into a car accident. All it does is magnify the mist. Um, Fuck. So, uh, yeah, so if you think about it, right, the mist, albeit thin or thick, depending on what which one you're looking through, is still a physical barrier, right? If you have if you have tin that improves your eyesight, it's not like you can see through a brick wall. So this was really cool, and I again, I when I had first read from Final Empire, I started thinking about them like, oh, whatever, you know, it's just, it's whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I just brushed it aside as like, okay, he maybe didn't think about this; it's not that big of a deal. But no, he did think about it, and I think when I came across this um, epigraph, I thought I was like, man, the attention to detail. Yeah, it's just, uh, I'll be okay. So. For any of you guys listening, and you guys think that you know, or maybe we're overblowing and overpraising Sanderson, we're not critics, right? We're not critics. We just like to enjoy things. If I give everything a ten, again, that makes me an awful critic, first of all, and I am an awful critic. But that also means that I just like enjoying. I try and find ways to enjoy everything, um, and. Yeah, Sanderson, he impresses me with his attention to detail. And for what it's worth, I'm returning reader. So attention to detail for me, I haven't read nearly as many books as many of you guys uh, listening. So not that anyone's giving me hate. I just wanted to throw that out there. Just in case. Yeah, just in case anyone was wondering that I'm like, I, I, I like to try and find excuses for authors and artists and writers and directors and stuff like that. Um to try and explain their perspective on when they were like making a show or movie or book, um, trying to give them a benefit of a doubt because I want to enjoy everything that I consume. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I, there, there's a weird concept these days where I, I read it's concept or sorry, this comment on Reddit where this guy was saying, I hope this movie's not better than this other movie that he liked. I'm like, why would you hope that? You should hope that every movie that you watch, every sequel that you watch, every new trilogy, every new series that you watch is better than the one you watched last time. Because if that's what's happening, that every single new movie that you're watching, every new book that you're reading is better than the one before, you're, it, to, that's your life getting better. Yeah. You know, think about it, right? If season one of Attack on Titan is great and season two is better and season three is better and season four is even better, like... That should make you happy. Mm-hmm. You know, like the idea that like, oh, season one was great. And then season two of Umbrella Academy was, uh, it was good, maybe a little bit better. Like you don't want that. You want every new season, every new show, every new book to be better than the one you saw before. Because that just means the media that you're consuming is getting better or you're enjoying it more. Don't you want to be enjoying things more? Or do you Why just want to keep those? watching the same stuff? But yeah, yeah, why not both? Why not is it that your enjoyment is getting better and the person or the production value and the overall quality of the media is getting better? But regardless, um, that's just my side rant on 
society, I guess that comes out. So anyways, um, Vin has ascended to godhood. She is now preserve. She's now basically preservation. Um, and she sees ruin. And I love ruin. Ruin is just like, welcome to godhood. Uh, by the way, graphic audio. Mm. I, I, I did like, listen to this part. I don't like his voice. I think it's a little overdone. Ruins? Yeah. But that's like the only thing I don't like. I think that everything else, like the music and all the other voices are spectacular. But it's like almost Cho'Gath. It's like really... Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, it's... it, But I guess it personifies Ruin. I mean, for what it's worth. It's, it's literally the god of chaos, like... Yeah. Whatever. Um, so she gets to fixing the world and this this chapter was awesome. I don't I don't know, I don't know about you, but I love this chapter. This was so 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 Vin starts fixing the world. She plugs up the ash mounds and the world starts to burn. <laughs> right? Like because that's she's basically trying to undo what um Rashek had done. And it's not that simple. Rashek did some of these things because uh, you know, uh, he was reactive, right? Um, he wanted to burn away the mist, so he moved the uh, planet closer to the sun. Trust that started to burn everything. So then he made the ash mounts explode into ash, so it covered up the sun. So you know, it wasn't so hot. <laughs> yeah, just like um, reacting a lot. Yep, and this is exactly what Vin's doing, right? So she starts turning the earth turns the earth away so uh um you know so it's not facing the sun anymore and I, <laughs> one second i'll get to that in a second but um so she turns the earth and then it causes tempests and tsunamis to form because emotion is just so sudden right um and an entire village just like drowns basically and i thought this was hilarious but like could you imagine i for some reason i started thinking of this spongebob scene could you imagine like being on the earth and you just see the sun like whiz by and the moon rise up and the tempest and a tornado and and it, you just see a guy like just sitting there on a bench like what is happening <laughs> it's just like i don't know like there has to be somebody outside watching this right like i just wanted to see someone's perspective like well this is trippy <laughs> yo hoid dude oh my god we get a first person <gasps> yo oh god no we get a first person view of Hoid, like in Dragon Seal or whatever, or not Dragon Seal, like in a future book, we get a view, his view, and he's like seeing all these. Oh my god! But all the other Roshar and all the plant, yes. And like with the effects, is let's say like I don't, I don't know, I have no idea about anything in Stormlight, but if they have like planet altering things that happen, then he sees the effects. Okay, 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 okay. Brandon Sanderson, if you're listening to this. First off, I love you. Second. Yeah, first off, I love you. Second of all, I don't care about the COVID vaccine, but I want you to inject what Matahir just said into my veins. <laughs> oh I will my skip God. every other vaccine for the rest of my life. I just want your stories injected straight into me right now. <laughs> I will give you my life. <laughs> all the Bitcoin, everything that I have. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So she's trying to fix the world. And then Ruin starts to block her, which that sucks. Rashek never had to deal with that. 
And so preservation is weaker anyways, right? Because he gave up so much of himself for humanity. Um, but they were kind of matched in a way because um, Ruin doesn't have, have his body, which is ATM either. So preservation was weaker because of the souls concept. And then Ruin is weaker because of the ATM concept. Uh, so they're kind of even. They're not at their fullest potential, but they're also basically kind of even. So... So Ruin had influenced Rashak to create Hemilurgy, um, which I think we kind of know. And then, so anyways, Vince starts seeing Colas and Ellen flying towards Luthado, and this is where the chapter ends, but this is where the whole Spears of Light thing comes in. We've already, we've already talked about that. So chapter 77, epigraph, the... Mists went towards Elementers, right? Whenever they would burn, the mists would go toward Elementers because, you know, they're of the same power. And then they would go away from someone who would have uh, hemolytic spikes, which is... Yeah, exactly. Which, if you remember, um, you know, she started fearing the mists. She started hating the mists, um, especially in Well of Ascension because she was wearing the earrings. Um, so, anyways, Ellen arrives at Luthado, and he sees Critic Shaw is completely leveled. Um, you know, um, just a mother of all bombs. Uh, Vin, <laughs> the Vinquisition was here, mm-hmm. and it's just leveled. And Luthado is like a ghost town; no one's around. It's like half burned. And then he goes to the Venture Keep, and he sees that Penrod had killed himself. And then there's a note written that's like trying to lead him astray. Um. And he realized, like, you know, when Ruin changes the note, he doesn't change everything. He changes, like, a word here and there. And then a Vin, a Vin, a Vin's voice starts to guide him a bit. A Vin. So, chapter 78, yeah. epigraph. Um, I love the, the audio book for that, too. That really oh, cool. Vin's voice? Yeah. I'll have to check that out, because I didn't finish it in, in um that. But Dude, I might just, like, reread this series, but, like, in the graphic audio. I didn't know it was so good. That's what I had started doing. I told you, man. I, that's why I just... Um, I'm not good with graphic or audiobooks, even graphic audio as much on the first read-through. But if you read along, it's amazing. Or if you're reading or doing it on reread, it's, again, amazing. Yeah. But anyways, um, chapter 78, epigraph. The uh, <clears throat> So this one is just talking about um, the power. Like... <laughs> yeah. So this one is just talking about the um, power of God and the body of God. And it's just, I guess, clarifying that the body is also part of the power, right? So I guess the body, the soul, the consciousness, all these individual pieces make up the entire power of the God. And if um, one of them is missing, then it's a little bit weaker. So ATM was not half ruin and half preservation like everything else. That was actually all ruin because that was Ruin's body. Um, and the preservation, when he had imprisoned Ruin in the Well of Ascension, he also hid his body in the pits of Hassan. That was, he created the pits of Hassan. Um, so when Kelsier destroyed the pits, he didn't like cut ATM generation forever. He just, like, you know, it would eventually regrow. It would just take time. Just under new management. Yeah. <laughs> so whenever you burn ATM, it's the same thing. You're pulling on the power of God, 
God being ruined. And then whenever, after you get done burning it, it, it actually restores itself at the pits. So it's one of those things that power can neither be created nor destroyed, which I thought was really cool. And then, yep, that's it for the epigraph. Uh, and what happened in chapter 78 where it was Seized, he's stuck in a prison, but Milan and Tensoon, they come and, uh, and bail him out. Uh, and, yeah, that's basically it. Oh, yeah, so the epigraph in chapter 79 is that it's, the mists were searching for a new consciousness to take, a new body, I guess, to Im- a new body to embody. Um, <laughs> so that's why Ruin, Ruin knew that he was. So he knew that he was going to, like, pick Vin, which I think also goes back to, like, why did Preservation find Vin as well, which I think what they talked about earlier, that there was a greater reason for Vin being picked, which is a Cosmere level reason. Um, Ruin made sure that she had her earrings on basically at all times so that she had the power of, so that the earrings would like repel the mist and eventually he'd be able to influence her into hating the mists. Uh, Ruin's going over to the Chandra homeland and Vin like, she like starts thinking how how much the Lord Ruler actually did because you you don't really understand what the Lord Ruler had to do and how he had to do it until you get this power. I think that's like what she's feeling right now. Yeah, it's like a par- It's like a kid growing up to be a parent themselves, and then they start realizing, oh man, my parent went through all this, you know? Yeah. Not obviously not quite the same because I'm I don't think most parents have um, committed genocide and stuff. Uh, but you get my point. Carry on. Ben's like it's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready, kids? <laughs> uh, and Ruin gets control of Kanpar and some other Kandra. He can control them, be- slightly control them because he has. They have spikes in them, uh, and we know that like any amount of spikes give you control. And Tensoon is controlled physically, but not mentally, by by Ruin to attack Seized. And dude, dude, I, I was sad. Ten, yeah, Tensoon dying like this, you know, and he just him. straight up killed himself without anything, just no hesitation. Yeah, and that's what I loved about about it so much, right? That um, the Chandra were basically bred from birth for this one purpose, right? So it's it was hard enough for uh, uh, Ruin to control the uh, Chandra. Yeah. Add to the fact that they were like bred from birth. That okay, as soon as you hear these words, commit mass seppuku. Um, but yeah, this one that that and it also hurt right too because Tensu never actually met Vin again. Yeah. Last time she last time she saw or he saw Vin was when she was fighting Zane. Oh man, why'd you have yeah. to say that? <laughs> it sucks, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that so that's where we left off. Um, so, chapter eighty, epigraph. Um, Chandra were indeed of preservation. This is basically says that I can finally say says that now. You have no idea how many times when we talk about the epigraphs, I kept 
almost saying Seizet. Over and over. I, I was so close to saying Seizet over and over again. I'm like, dude, I'm going to get in trouble. I would have been sad. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, hey, I, I did a good job. So, uh, the epigraphs in chapter 80 is talking about, Seizet is talking about that the Condor were indeed of preservation because they kept claiming it and it almost felt like they were showing off and it's kind of not real because their hemology and hemologies of ruin. And while that may be true, they did serve a double purpose and um, kind of like double agents in storing ruins body and stuff. So I guess because of their intention, they were kind of more preservation than ruin. So mm-hmm. yeah, but yes, their instruction was when they heard that it was a time of resolution, they were supposed to kill themselves but so that ruin could not control them. Yeah. So Ellen is at the terrorist camp. Oh, sorry. God damn it. You're going to cut this part out too. You make sure you cut these parts out. Yeah. So in chapter 80, Ellen's at uh, Ellen's at the terrorist camp and Penrod went crazy be- like because of that uh, spike that he had. And he... There's like a, a war that happened in Lucidel because of that. And most of the soldiers killed each other, unfortunately, because of that. And don't we find him dead? Like he killed himself? Um, You're talking about Penrod? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Penrod had yeah. killed himself. Yep. He, uh, he himself said, like, you know, he started hearing voices and whatnot. Yeah. And Demo says that he, he saw Kelsier, but it was... Probably a contract, probably ten soon. Uh, and then Ellen Ellen tells tells um, Demo to get all the soldiers tested for allomancy because we figure out that like everybody affected by the mist is probably an allomancer because uh, that's like they're snapping. And um, we go over to Sezed's side. He wakes up to some mist mist race. Mist race, uh, and <laughs> and we go back to Ellen. He's like trying to figure out what's going on with the Kelsier stuff, and Vin is like trying to communicate with him. But based on the graphic audio, it was just like just like wisps, like whispers. Yep. So, uh, yeah. And on chapter eighty one, yeah. So chapter eighty one epigraph: uh, the mists were created to snap people. Um, back when there were no mist war. Okay, so this was actually, I think this clarifies my question earlier, right? Because we had said that mist mistborn didn't exist until the Well of Ascension or until Ascension. Um, but then before, and then at one point they were saying that Elementers did exist before Ascension. So it turns out there were mistings, but there were no mistborn. Mm-hmm. Um, Mistborn didn't become a thing until, you know, um, uh, Brashek with the little beads of preservation at, at the Well of Ascension that he started giving that out. And then, you know, they started having kids and Mistborn power was spread around. <clears throat> so it, the Mist was snapping people to, you know, bring that Alamancy out. Um, but preservation didn't want anyone to die to the mists. But the thing was that because preservation's, I guess, mind was limited after imprisoning ruin, 
that left the mists kind of directionless. It was kind of like, you know, when you find someone who has the elements inside them, snap them, but then the mist sometimes went too far and then ended up killing. Um, so again, it wasn't in preservation. He wasn't intentionally trying to kill them. It was just like the mist. He, he had such limited cognitive ability, I guess. That's what I got from it anyways. Um, and Ruin couldn't control the mist, but... Yeah, obviously, right, because the mists were of preservation. But what he could do was he could kind of make it a little bit stronger, and then he made them fear. Uh, he made the people fear them, and then the mists became known as the deepness. So do you remember the deepness? We haven't – that hasn't yeah. come up in so long. But the deepness, remember, that was like the big scary thing that was just hovering in the background ever since the final empire. Yep. And then now it's just like, oh, you know, he, he – Lord Ruler had killed the deepness and the deepness is going to return and blah, 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 blah. And then now it's just like, oh, the deepness is actually on our side the whole time. It's just, it's so, you feel betrayed by, by Sanderson. <laughs> like, how could you lie to me like this? How could you look me in the face through your pages and lie to me? Um, but I still love you. I feel like I'm in an abusive relationship. But yeah, that's it for the epigraph. So, so Ruin is like charging a hundred thousand million gaffillion coloss over to the homeland. Only uh, hundred thousand. It's not a gaffillion million. No, don't this little Gen Z boy fool you. It's only a hundred thousand. Uh, and <laughs> Ellen only has like like a gaffillionth of that so <laughs> he has a thousand just, just for clarity <laughs> um and the sun is also coming up which is not ideal for humans or colas oh yeah uh and vin and ruin have like their little god battle but nothing really happens ruin like tries to uh, do something to Ellen, but Vin just pushes back and nothing really happens. Uh, Ellen's fighting and fighting, and he sees that Demo came back with ATM misters. Misters? Mistings. They're the misfallen, which are the ones that that stayed that stayed sick for longer. Misters. <laughs> ATM misters boys you heard it here first um and yeah ellen like i love the graphic audio for this ellen is just like killing everything uh marsh comes in and uh this one sorry to cut you off but this one was also really cool the way they described uh um just them rushing out to meet the oncoming horde right mm -hmm. like um from vin's perspective it's just like ellen charging and then like just a beam of light like swallows him because he activates atm right mm -hmm. and then a bunch of like rays of light runs out with him which is the other soldiers right and it's just oh that's so cool that's just so cool and then uh he burns atm and Duralumin. Uh, and then he, uh, dies. Yep. Well, there's a, 
little bit more to that. I mean, he doesn't just burn ATM and Durell and it dies. Yeah, so uh... Marsh jumps in. Oh, I didn't. Oh, I didn't even mention Marsh. Yeah, Marsh comes in and and stabs him in the chest. And they have no. Like a come little... on, like fill it in a little bit more, right? Ruin is also at this. While this is going on, I want to add that human. Remember, I am human. Um, that one Colas that talked of in. He is rushing uh, along these other tunnels because remember, there's other entrances. He's rushing on these other tunnels, rushing towards the ATM cache. Uh, while this whole fight's going on. And then Ellen starts fighting Marsh, runs out of metal, and then Vin kind of gives him her metal mist thing. Like kind of like what the mist did to Vin. Vin is now doing to Ellen through the mist. So yes, he burns ATM and element. And the line here was so cool. Sight, sound, strength, power, glory, and speed. Um, I'm guessing the glory is from the ATM. Uh, I'm guessing I, I, and I, I just realized we never actually got to see Duralumin mixed with ATM. Yeah. And until now, right? Until here. So that was sick. And then, yeah, because remember, Alan never burned ATM himself. And then by the time that at the end of Final Empire, they just never really had ATM other than the beginning of Well of Ascension. And then, and then uh, Vin had burned it away. And then after that, they had discovered Duralumin. So it was like one of those things. Like, and I don't think you really ever have enough to, yeah, to really make Duralumin. use of it properly. I hundred percent agree. But yeah, so yeah, but yeah. So, like you said, Marsh stabs Ellen through the chest. Than Obsidian Axe. Yeah. That was something. I was really sad. And so he actually doesn't die there either, right? Because when human bursts into the ATM cache, like while this is all going on, um, Ellen uh, tells uh, Mars that, you know, we burned all the ATM away. So there's literally nothing left. And in his fury, Marsh beheads Ellen. Uh, yeah, that was. Vin's like, Vin's like body. What would you call that? Her like miss body shows up. Uh, and so does Ruins and they like collide together. Uh, and it, it kills both, both of them. Well, she collides into ruin, like she, like just out of anger, because at this point, um, she had tried it before, right, attacking ruin. So what ended up happening was, uh, she even says, you know, you shouldn't have killed Ellen because he was the only reason I had left to live. <laughs> Which I thought was a really cool line. And then she just slams her, I guess, body or consciousness into ruin. And remember before that kind of hurt both of them and so they kind of both retreated. But she had nothing left to lose so she just kept going and killed each other. The ep- yeah, sorry, the epigraph for chapter 82. Um, Vin is dead. Confirmed. Confirmed. I don't like this. I don't like it. Like, you don't like, I like what? It. I like it, but like I don't like it. I don't like when my characters die. 
Ah, okay. Don't look my wife. Uh, so, Seizet's watching. Uh, Demo comes back with, uh, with, uh, he doesn't have an arm. He has about half of the amount he should have. <laughs> hey, you got a sca- scratch there. <laughs> And Sazed sees Vins and Ruin's bodies like kind of fall down, I guess. And he kneels, he goes next to Vin's body and does, does he, he goes by Ruin's too and he gets both of the, the powers, becomes the hero and he's, he is the hero of ages based on every single prophecy that was given. He wasn't a king, but he would become one. He was uh, rejected by his own people, which he was. Uh, He wasn't a warrior, but he fought, which is what he did. Uh, There's another one. Not a born, not born a king would become one, and he kind of becomes one when the terrorist people, I guess, tell him that, like, you know, you're our leader. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I thought he was just gonna be the hero just based on the fact that they didn't, he didn't die in book two, but I didn't really have any other thing to go off of. Uh, and he's like the real hero because he has the information. I thought this was awesome. Oh, dude, this was so beautifully done. He, because, okay. So one thing before his body evaporated, right? He tapped the copper mines that were on his arm and he absorbed all the information quickly before his body evaporated, leaving the copper mines empty Mm -hmm. as he ascended into Godhood. So now he just has the knowledge, all this knowledge. Oh, so beautiful. So beautiful. Sorry, carry on. I just wanted to jump in and say that. No, oh, it's okay. You should really listen to it on graphic audio. It was so good. Oh, even that part was epic? Dude, like all this stuff, like the music is amazing. Okay. Like, I'll, do they I'll do their own check it scores? Do I, they, do their... they probably do. They, I can almost guarantee they do. God, because it's ridiculous. Like, I, I was so blown away by how good it was. Uh, and he he brings back the grass. He brings back the animals. He takes the the sky away. Uh, he brings back flowers. So I I loved how he did all this, right? Because he he had the knowledge of the religions, and he used those knowledges, um, to like he said, you know, reveal the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was that one knowledge that, um, in fact, I think he had actually, uh, proposed it to Kelsier. Um, the people who would like chart yep. the sky, the astronomers, the uh, the what's it called? It was my favorite religion, Kanzi, I think. Oh. Yeah, it's where they no, Trell, Trell, yes, the god of Trell, yeah, I think something like that. Yep, yeah. so you know, yeah, they had charted the stars, and so with that knowledge, he knew that that planet was moved, and with that, he knew exactly where to move it back. And the human anatomy too. Yep. Uh, the yep. The ones who would like worship, I guess, like or biology was a big part of them. So like yeah. he, all the stuff like because remember the Rashek had changed the physiology of mankind so that they could breathe the ash and all that stuff. 
and then even over evolution over time um he reverted all that back which okay. again just leads me to like could you imagine being a guy sitting there <laughs> you just like five minutes ago you saw the sun rise and set so quickly you saw tornadoes rise floods happen and now you're seeing the planet move again all right and and you're seeing you're feeling your insides change like what is happening dude imagine just like a guy who's just like a nine to five job like a farmer and he's just seeing <laughs> all these changes live just like, wanted you to know nine uh farmers do not have nine to five jobs but yes carry on probably like eight to six no dude, they have long hours they work <laughs> basically weekends too yeah i know i was joking but don't joke with me this is a serious matter Here's my question. We've got the, the, we don't really have balance here. We've got the changing and we have the adding life, but where's the destruction? Destruction. I'm sorry, say again? We, we, we need this whole thing was preservation and ruin was all about balance. That was the whole issue that we were having. Where's the balance if all Sezet is doing is making stuff? Well, now he has both, right? He is no longer, the two powers are no longer competing. It is one, right? That he is, he is both ruin and preservation. Remember, ruin and preservation working together, they can create anything. Oh. Remember, that's what they kept hammering at over and over, that ruin and preservation together can create. But because they were two separate sentient beings, they would like it would be kind of like, you know, one of those things like compromises in a compromise. No one's happy. That's basically what was happening. Mm-hmm. But now because this is one being one God, he can just do whatever. He has a power to create uh, to save the world or destroy it. And he does. He could literally just say, nah, you know what? Screw you. Everyone dies. He could do that. So, yeah, but yeah, I just, he restored the animal life and then he restored proper colors of the world, which that was awesome. And then remember, I think Kelsier's wife was like really into flowers and plants and then, you know, he restored the colors to that and stuff. So the, the moral, I guess here was, and some people didn't like it. I thought it was cool. Was that no religion was completely true and no religion was false, not was completely false no religion was the truth but it contains some truth um and so with like using pieces of knowledge from each of the religions he like saved the world which was awesome but there is something here again he uh sanderson never leaves you without more questions to ask um Seiza does say that preservation and ruin were at one point before one and they were split i don't know where or what happened, but they were one. Yeah, what caused that? Maybe it's a Cosmere, probably a Cosmere. No, I can almost guarantee it's a Cosmere question. Yeah. But yeah, there is, um, there's something there, and I'm super excited. Um, so in the epilogue oh wait epigraph for that yeah okay so epilogues epigraph epilogues epigraph um 
Tayza is still questioning why Preservation chose her, which we're not going to answers for that in this trilogy. I mean, clearly we're basically at the end here. Um, and it's just why Preservation chose her. And it's possible that she took in some mist as a kid when she was little before she had the earrings in. Um, and he also, but it also talks about like, he doesn't know why he's able to touch a mist, like why he was able to take the power of preservation and ruin. Remember when he became the hero of ages, because he was saying that because she was kind of attuned to the mist because she took it in as a kid, that's, and then also, um, attuned to the mist because she touched the well of ascension because she touched both things. Her body was kind of used to it. That's why she was able to take in the incomplete power of the of preservation. Um, which brings up another question. Why is CZ able to do it? Which I'm sure is just more mystery, more questions that we're going to find answers to later. Later? Later. But he also does... And this one, I don't know why, but this one hurts so much to read because it just... It just personifies so much how much Seizet had, how much love Seizet had for Vin. Of all those, of all of us who touched it, I feel she was the most worthy. It's just, you know, Seizet giving so much respect to Vin and I just, I don't, because we're at the end of the series, you know, this is the last time we're going to see Seizet. Oh, I guess maybe not the last time we're going to see Seizet, but the last time we're going to see Vin, Vin's story ends here. It's just, Aww. it feels so bittersweet you know and they yeah what's called the kelsier kelsier's request was to cure spooks savant yeah yeah uh, so that's actually in the epilogue so go ahead take it away oh um yeah so spook is like all healed up and stuff they go outside they see the green grass the blue skies and the uh weird colored leaves as they call it which are flowers um and Demos, of course, is like saying that there's a he saw Kelsier in the sky, which might actually be possible this time. Cause Tensun was dead. Um, or he saw like Seizet or something. And Seizet leaves the epigraphs that we've been reading for like eighty days. Yeah, God. And then I like how Demo said it. He says he reported seeing the survivor in the sky, which that again that sounds so like literally godlike, right? Like, oh, I think this he is. is so epic. What he is? What? Kelsey is like. Uh... No, no, no. He's saying that he sees a survivor, but it was say Zed, right? Like, That's I think he. I mean, yeah, maybe. I mean, there's always another secret. Um. And also, I just want to throw in there, Spook does see Ellen and Vin laying there. Um, Ellen's head is reattached. Uh, and, you know, he's laying there holding Vin's hand. And they don't, they said that they don't want to. Uh, they didn't back. want to come back. Yeah. And then, like you said, you know, um, they said healed uh, Spook's uh, savant damage as well and his burns and made him a misborn. So that was cool. And it, he healed him because Kelsier had asked him to be healed as like a parting gift. When dude, when I read that, like I when I read that the first time, I'm not joking, I was close to crying. Me too. Because Spook went through so much, you know, mm -hmm. like he felt right, like he 
he did some bad stuff, maybe not necessarily his fault because of the uh, hemolurgy spike, but, you know, he messed up and all that stuff, and a city was on fire kind of because of him. And then, you know, he repaid it by getting himself burned and saving the city in the process. And, yeah, and he even went on to say that the note that was that he sent did save, did help. But man, what a what a way to end the series! What a what a beautiful trilogy! I'm I'm just so excited. Um, is it a perfect series? Is it like you know? I know a lot of people always talk trash on Sanderson, saying that you know he has very what's it called weak prose. Which I mean, I I don't care. Um, for me, the best prose is the prose that I can read. You know, if you got this mass like nice beautiful poetry and I can't understand it whatever like i i didn't enjoy your work but here i clearly did and i'm just man uh well what do you think i mean i can go yeah. on and on about this and i'll just end up sounding like a broken record but i just i can't give enough praise to it i you know for those of you who've been here since day one you'll know that i broke my almost decade long you know, hiatus from reading. And it wasn't even a hiatus, right? Like I just straight up stopped reading. I never had the intention of coming back. And then I just heard about, you know, Game of Thrones season eight had just finished. And I was just looking to get into fantasy again because I really, I even though I stopped reading, I never stopped loving fantasy. Dragon Age Origins is one of my favorite games of all time. Witcher 3 is one of my favorite games of all time. Um. So I never stopped loving fantasy. So I wanted to get back in. And then there's this one really nice Redditor. And I actually read out, reached out to him um, months ago, just telling him thank you, who recommended Mistborn. And I just picked it up. And yeah, it's all been history since then. And so Sanderson is just, for me, is so important because he got me back into reading. And I, he's, I guess, he, without him, you know, this podcast will not exist. So yeah, I mean, like I said, I could keep going on. What would you think? Her. Ew, God, what did I not think? Yeah, <laughs> it just a it. The only thing I really, I don't know if it, if I can compare or if I should compare it to Harry Potter because they're just different. But like it, I love the magic system. I really like the world. Uh, I think the dialogue could use some work. And someone like, sure, Ham, my boy Ham, was done, done dirty these past two books. But like, man, that the the amount of revelations in the last like four chapters was was it was a lot. Yeah. Like that that was a proper sandalanch. Like, yeah, God. And like, when I say the characters could use work, but like, seeing Ellen and Vin there almost made me cry. So I don't know if I'm lying or not. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things that like, yeah, I mean, you say the, you say you don't really care too much about the characters, but then when you say goodbye to them, and then you suddenly start feeling like you lost friends. Uh, I guess maybe the character work on a technical level wasn't the best, but. And this goes back to, I, I bring this up a lot, Objective, objectively good and subjectively good. When you got something that's subjectively good, 
and it's subjectively good to a lot of people. What does it matter if it's objectively good? Yeah. Right? Like, like for example, shit, like this goes, like, I think, I don't know if it's called the uh, Golden Globes or the Emmys, the, the awards for movies, right? They're never given to movies that are like wildly successful or movies that people like adore everywhere. It's given to movies that are like pinky up films, you know, films, like mm-hmm. fancy, fancy films. Like movies that people don't even watch. Like I remember Shape of Water one, which I like Shape of Water, but it's like, would this be a movie that I would watch again? And again, it's one of those things that like, yeah, it was objectively probably the best movie in the year, I guess. I, I don't know. I'm not a movie buff in that sense. Um, is it, but objectively speaking, I don't, I don't think it was. So yeah, I'm, I care more about objectively good than object, uh, subjectively good than objectively good. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, so, you know, that, that does it guys for Hero of Ages. I mean, I can't sing enough praises for the book. I am, even after rereading this, especially here with you, Mithahed, um, watching your excitement going through it. Your, first of all, your lack of excitement building up to insane excitement to what it is now. Yeah. Well, it just, you know, it's cool to see other people enjoy it like that. Um, so, uh, we will be taking a one week break from the podcast. I know we just took one because of the finals, but this is like a traditional thing after we're done with one book, we take the one week break. Um, but we are actually going to be recording that bonus episode. I know I'm sorry. We didn't get to it earlier where we do talk about star Wars, the clone Wars. So we are going to talk about that just as a note on that one. The, it will be both spoiler free and then there will be a spoiler section Spoiler free will be much shorter because again, I'm not a professional critic. I don't know how to talk about things without giving spoilers at a certain point. So I'm just going to give very brief thoughts, but I was going to give his brief thoughts and then we're going to go on to the spoiler section. But yeah, Clone Wars, I'm very excited for that. It's one of my favorite anime series of all time. If you haven't seen it, stop listening to this podcast, go watch it then come back and listen to the podcast. Um, Actually, by the time, I mean, you've got like basically two weeks to watch it. And I mean, if you're a master binger like I am, you could possibly make it. Probably. Probably. Yeah, I would say possibly. More like probably you'd make it. Um, but yeah, get cracking, boys. Yeah. Um, after that, um, slight change in plans. We are going to do some parts of the Arcanum Unbounded. I, I'm going to have to look at exactly which one it is that we got to start first. But it's going to be all spoiler-free stuff, so we're not going to start on any of the stuff that takes place. Um, that it's recommended to be read after Era 2, or there's one that you're supposed to read it after Alloy of Law. And then there's yes. one section, yeah, there's one that yeah you, you're supposed to read after, because it contains spoilers specifically for Alloy of Law. Then there's another section that contains spoilers for, that contains spoilers for Era 2, but then if you read Era 2 first, it contains spoilers for, like, Secret History or something like that. So it just spoils each other. So it doesn't really matter which one you read first. But we're going to read part of the Arcanum Unbounded, the one that you re- your, um, that's not reliant on Era 2. And then after that, we're going to uh, take a slight detour to Elantris. Um, yeah. It is a one book. It is a one book, uh, single novel. Um, we're just going to knock that one out. There oh, is a... Be too uh, bad. 
There is a short story, a very good short story. Yeah, I, uh, I think Emperor Soul, and there's also Hope of Elantris, I believe. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, get excited, everyone. I just wanted to say thank you. Um, this, um, I did not think the podcast link would work out. Um, we've had some rough moments here and there. Um, but moments like this, I just get super excited at continuing because... Even though I've read it before, just reading it again just got me super hyped. I just can't wait to continue. And, um, yeah. The Cosmere. By the time we get to Stormlight, dude, it's going to be like, uh, he's going to have like eight more books published. Not because I don't, we're going to yeah. do it slowly. But yeah, like in the next it. week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's already almost done with Skyward 3. Did you know that? No. Yeah. he That's Because he's fair. already... Yeah, he um, in his um, state at fi- the twenty twenty state of the Sanderson, he talked about um, you know he wrote Skyward three like rough draft, and then he said, oh, "I'll have the final draft by next week." And it's like, dude, are you kidding me? This guy writes faster than I do my essays. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, so, which is nice. and that's how he avoids burnout, right? That's how he avoids burnout is by um, switching books and series that quickly right he'll write a stormlight book then he'll go to skyward then he'll write a stormlight yeah. book then he'll go to skyward then he'll write a mistborn book then he'll go to skyward and then the stormlight and then so it's just like back and forth and that's how he avoids burning himself out um and maintains the consistency and speed that he does this shit but it does get kind of frustrating because i know a lot of the mistborn fans myself included which i haven't even read era two we've been waiting on book four for era two for a really long time um I'm not worried, but I don't. I think it'll probably be 2022 by the time we actually get it. So, oh well. Um, That's only as always. <laughs> yeah, as always, please follow us on Discord. Um, all the links are in, available in every all the show notes. Please follow us on Twitter at pod underscore bookkeeper. Um, say, uh, on Instagram, we're also keepers of book as well as TikTok. I've uploaded more on TikTok than I do Instagram, but you know, oh, I did want to announce one thing, and with that, you don't know about this either. There was a Kickstarter for a hardcover edition of these books by Dirk. I, I want to say, I think it's Dirk Ashley is the name. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing it. So I did back that project, and because I backed that project, I got my name in the book. But you get to pick what name is in the book, and the name I chose was, Key- was Keepers of the Book. Uh-huh. So. If you have the hardcover copy of Wrath of the Gods, flip to the back. You will see our name, Keepers of the Book, is on there. Nice. I will be putting that on the TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, all that junk. So, yeah, look out for that. And, um, yeah, more to come, hopefully. This is just the beginning, guys. This is just our first trilogy. We're hoping to get better. If you have any constructive feedback or even not constructive feedback, I'm, I'm open to it all. I... I think I have thick enough skin to even take your insults. But if you like it, tell us what you like. If you don't like it, tell us what we can do better. Thanks, everyone. By the way, I'm so what? I said it doesn't go for me. Yeah, yeah, he's he's soft. Uh, So direct him to me. You know, I can take it. I think. All right, guys. Thank you, everyone. (laughs) Thank you.